Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I just want one take, please. Let's do one take here. I just want one take, even though this is live. I want one take with no stuttering, no stammering. And for me, that's not an easy task. Hi, it's the JT and Looney Podcast. Episode 163. Powered by Bet Online, our sponsor here on the JT and Looney Podcast, our proud sponsor. We assume they're proud. They might be ashamed. Bet Online's your number one source for all your college basketball needs during these days of March Madness and Sweet 16 action. They've got updated odds for everything right through the Final Four and Championship games at Bet Online, your college basketball headquarters. This season, And once we're done with college basketball, we will have baseball, then the National Football League. Once we get to September, that's a great place to go. Bet online. And there today, and matter of fact, you get a welcome bonus if you haven't been there before. Just for being friends with JT and Looney, you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So use the promo code BLEAV. That's the platform that broadcasts the JT and Looney podcast, the Believe Podcast Network. BLEAV, use that as your promo code to get your 50% sign-up bonus at Bet Online, where the game starts. And now the podcast starts, damn it. There you are. Wow, I thought it was Wolf Blitzer or uh, Tucker Carlson zooming in on me with everything <laughs> happening in the world. Good to see oh my, my God. happy chatter companion. You know, it's Wolf Blitzer's birthday today. It is Wolf Blitzer. He, he's from, by the way, shout out to the 716 Wolf Blitzer from Buffalo, New York. Is that true? You know what? I watched the PBS Frontline. Ooh, Harvey Weinstein went to University of Buffalo. Did you know that? I watched. Ooh, the, I told wow. you to DVR that. You know I know I you did. Yes, you know I love PBS, Frontline, American Classics, and all that. So I watched mm. that. I don't know why I'm bringing that up, but you mentioned Buffalo, and I didn't know Harvey Weinstein went to UB up there. That, that wow, was he Harvey Weinstein. Let me tell you, as someone from upstate New York, and you spent four years going to school in upstate New York, Harvey Weinstein looks like upstate New York. <laughs> that's what that the, was, I know. What's your email been, address? What's your uh, email that's uh, looneyonfox at gmail.com. And, you know, segue, we, by the way, because you said Gmail. I have a Gmail, too, but yes. I still use AOL, and I've been getting a little pushback on that lately. And they say, why, why are you still at AOL? And here's why. Because everything I've ever done since the beginning of email, all my radio files, all my great messages from my mentors, all my email is perfectly organized at AOL. They have never let me down on the email side of it. That's why I keep it for email. Well, I have two, and here's another reason. As you know, we also keep friends. And a lot of I like to be easy to get a hold of because ever since at least my mid-30s, I've paid my bills. <laughs> so I'm not on the run. So I don't need to change my email address to look cool. So I do have an AOL email address because I always have. And I was in, you know, uh, I was on board at AOL early on. So I got my name and several different uh, versions there. And so it is, as you know, the old school way to get a hold of me and the easier way to get a hold of me is to use that. You talked about PBS. PBS in some ways changed my life. When you go back in the hot tub time machine, every summer we would go up to the Finger Lakes and we would spend sometimes all summer at the Finger Lakes and we would never turn on the television. 
And from age seven to 17, we only turned it on twice. And it was uh, both times it was watched to watch to get together as a family and watch. One time it was a two day special on PBS about Leonardo da Vinci, which changed my life and made me obsessed with him. And then a two day special on Martin Luther King Jr., which. uh, Yeah. And so talk about a great way to influence your kids about two icons. And so those were the two things I watched on television during the summers uh, ever. Uh, because we never turned the television on when we were up the lake, as they say in upstate New York, except for and, and those two individuals and those two PBS specials uh, really influenced my life. And I eventually went to Florence to see the birthplace of of uh, the Renaissance and the, uh, the old stomping grounds of Leonardo. And I went to the Louvre in Paris to see the Mona Lisa in person. And to this convent in Milan where the Last Supper is on the wall of a convent in Milan. Is there anything more famous than the painting of the Last Supper? Questionably, it could, could be Mona Lisa, but nobody knows where it is. And so not a lot of people get to see that. But I did get to see the Last Supper up close. Thanks to PBS. What a segue, because PBS for me for a big bunch of years was Charlie Rose to help me go to sleep. Oh, yeah. We got Harvey and Charlie Rose into the opening of the podcast. Please put this on the back end of the podcast. I used, and I've told you this before, it's probably on one of the earlier podcasts, for a decade or more, I would go to bed with Charlie Rose in the background because when he had a good guest, or even when he did the brain series, seven parts on the brain, right? helped me go to sleep, and I would tend to dream about you know, someday sitting in front of Charlie Rose and I got right. this close with yeah, my book, The Handoff. Mm. They got back to me. They loved the book. We were going back and forth. And I really thought I was one more email away from sitting down with Charlie Rose with my book, The Handoff with Alan Eisenstock. And it never happened. And probably a good thing because are we allowed to say Charlie Rose? We can on the internet, right? We can't say it. Yes, we can say it. On the Everybody just it- forgot about all the great work he did, all the amazing work he did because of the bad things that he did, which he was penalized for, rightfully so. So the lesson could be learned that you can do so many great things in your life and be taken down for your bad things in life. We talk about that in sports all the time. Yeah, we talk about cancel culture a lot, that people, we love simple phrases like woke culture and cancel culture and meaningless phrases a lot of times because uh, cancel culture is nothing new it is for people who don't know history but as you know jt and as i know in egyptian history they will find sometimes the tomb of a pharaoh they, who's this and then they have to dig around and say, oh he was canceled the new pharaoh had his name wiped out of all the history books and wiped off off all the statues and all the statues taken down so cancel culture has been around for about Five thousand years. It's nothing new. Calm down. And for those who are watching, as we move the JT and Looney podcast to YouTube, so you can see us now. Yes. And again, I apologize for the background, the blurred background. But ever since that wannabe, that wannabe presidential candidate from Arizona started to blur the background, I couldn't get away from that. Um, <laughs> I will tell you this: when I would not cancel you for wearing a Venezuela ah. jersey, because I would never wear a Venezuela jersey because I'm from the United States of America. So if I was going to wear a jersey, it wouldn't be of Venezuela. It would be of the United States of America. It wouldn't be Japan, 
who kicked our ass uh, in the ass. WBC, which we'll get into. Uh, but you're wearing Venezuela today. Would you like to explain, please? Oh, first of all, I, I, I looked through to grab something, but I said, oh, this will annoy JT. And then also uh, the World Baseball Classic. It's a World Baseball Classic shirt. So I figured that would spur the yeah, would spur the conversation of you. And it was a gift. It was a gift of a, a friend of mine, a friend and we a colleague of ours that uh, almost made it to at least minor league baseball back in the day. Bernie Fratto gave me uh, this uh, as a gift. Yes, when uh, back when the World Baseball Classic first started. And uh, in Venezuela was so controversial. Everything he's oh he'll like this because you know when the whole world zigs, I zag. Oh, give me a zag shirt. Sure, I'll wear this Venezuela shirt just to uh, just to annoy people who are political weenies. Uh, I know very little about Venezuela. By the way, speaking of the WBC, another milestone in my career. Not that anybody cares about one of them, uh, obviously. But I'll throw this <laughs> out. I was the only radio host in the world on last night. When Mike Trout struck out, because I don't care if you were spinning records in Detroit or you had another so-called sports show, I was live, and I did He's Into the Stretch, The Kick, because I'm on the radio last night on Mad Dog Sports Radio, and this event unfolds in front of us, and it was so epic that I've been able to call game-winning shots on the radio for final national championship games, walk-off home runs, and I can, I can promise you, other than some kid in Japan outside of Tokyo who was on his podcast screaming <laughs> live, I was screaming last night. And let me tell you my takeaway from WBC. I didn't pay attention to it in the first couple of rounds. I didn't. I, I knew I it was on. I didn't watch it. I did. And, and then I tuned into it, uh, the Mexico game against the United States and seeing Japan. And then this game, how it unfolded, was beautiful. That's the word I want to use. It had everything you could imagine. That is gorgeous in a baseball game. You had fans. Usually when Fox shows fans, they, they invented this concept. They show a woman, a middle-aged mom, and she's so serious, and she's clutching her hands. She's so scared. Right. That counts three and two. It was just the opposite of the WBC. Everybody was jumping up and down, and, oh, they had colorful outfits on and big beers, and they're just fun. having fun. It was a lot of fun. Secondly, when Shohei Otani – left the dugout in the seventh and went to the bullpen and Fox got that shot. I didn't say it this way on the air, but I said to myself, holy shit, this guy just grabbed his glove and is running out to the bullpen, which sent a message to everyone on the USA team. Oh, look, look at that giant man running to the bullpen. He's going to beat us in the ninth inning at some point, And he did. And then he left, he left the bullpen to come, in the eighth and hit and he, he beat out an infield hit and i said did you just see what happened from the seventh eighth and ninth inning he went back and forth to the bullpen with his glove came back and put a helmet on beat out an infield hit and struck out mike trout and threw two balls that were 102 miles an hour he's oh bo jackson of the 20th 21st century uh, in one sport, I know he's not playing two sports uh, like Deion Sanders and Bo Jackson. Deion Sanders gets overlooked because of his personality, but uh, he might have been the, the greatest athlete of the 20th century, arguably. But uh, we got to, you know, when the grass is green, you have to enjoy it. And uh, and we, we should probably be enjoying Shohei Otani more than we are. But here's his problem. He plays for what is almost like a minor league team. The, the Angels, you know, they're never on television. They have the smallest fan base with a wink and a nod to the Clippers of any fan base in any sport. And it's just too bad that both 
Mike Trout and Shohei Otani are playing for the Angels. Yeah, it's easier to find Otani playing in Japan than it is to find yeah. him playing in Anaheim. And we like a lot of the Anaheim broadcasters. Let's not let, let's oh. not go that far because we yeah. oh my God. We get a lot of those games. We get a lot of those games out west. The bigger thing that you need to bring up is the old farts on radio and television that can't stay up. They can't stay up till ten oh five to watch Otani. Otani in the yeah. first inning. You, they're not going to stay up to eleven thirty or twelve fifteen in the morning Eastern to watch Otani bat in the eighth and ninth. So wipe out that crowd on top of the fans that can't find him in Anaheim. Well, and I'm glad you checked me on that because I, I, I'm crazy about Patrick O'Neill who calls games for the Angels. Ruby, Mark Gubazak fan. Mark Gubazak, right. And I know Roger Lodge does a lot of the radio work. Roger Lodge listens to this podcast. Shout out to Roger Lodge. Yeah. Who's done a lot in broadcasting? A lot, believe me, yes. in the broadcasting. We appreciate a good guy. It. I've, I've met him uh, probably a handful of times. Uh, one time back in the day, uh, before I was on the radio with you, I interviewed to do a radio show with him at a terrific time, uh, and also for quite a number of years when our agents had no imagination would send us out for acting jobs to play sportscasters. Whenever when anybody was looking for a sportscaster with some comedy chops. It would be Roger Lodge and me in the waiting room back when they back when they did auditions in little rooms in Hollywood. Now you do them on Zoom. Can I uh, also give you a flaming hot take? Usually you don't use those on podcasts right? You use it on other things. But right. another thing about the WBC, which is amazing. So Otani was playing Mookie Betts and Mike Trout. If you have a Mount Rushmore in baseball right at this second, and it's disappointing Trout's been hurt, but he's Captain America. He's on the list. Sorry, yep. he's on the list. And the only guy that should be should have been there was Aaron Judge. And Aaron Judge wasn't there. And again, this isn't to bash Aaron Judge. I'm a big Yankee fan. But I can't imagine what was going through his head as his country was down 3-1 to one in the fifth inning. And instead of having Mookie Betts and Mike Trout, it would have been Mookie Betts, Aaron Judge, and then Mike Trout. So what I came away with quickly last night is that I'm done with your excuse for not playing in this. We are going through a time in a capsule in sports. Oh, I saw your angry tweet, and yeah, I agreed I with it. Because everybody's now afraid of getting hurt. They're afraid of stepping off a curb and getting hit by a, a mysterious bus. They're afraid of practicing in the preseason of football. They might pull a hammy, even though the guy pulls the hammy in week six and he doesn't play to week 13. And all this happens, and everybody's afraid. Well, there was there was several, but not there were several American baseball players that chose not to play in the WBC. All of them were shamed last night like Game of Thrones. How dare you Shame. not play for the United States of America Shame. across your chest? If Mike Trout Shame. and Mookie Betts did, but here's what Otani did to win the WBC. He told everyone in Major League Baseball and the NBA with load management and every other sport, even European soccer. I'm playing, and I'm more important and more famous than you. I'm playing offense and defense. I'm pitching. I'm hitting. I'm running the bases faster than I ever have in my life. So if you don't think you should play, you just lost any debate on why you shouldn't play. Otani shut down that whole topic in the entire WBC and especially in the last three innings of that game. He did this country a service, not a disservice, by playing in the WBC while we have athletes who are scared to get hurt. Way to go, Shohei.
And we have too many of them. I know we're, we're, we always try to praise the ones who are crying after losses. And we say they don't care. We say they only care about the money because there's pl plenty of them out there like that. But the load management thing is real. It's getting on a lot of people's nerves. And I don't mind it as much if someone's over 35. Someone's over. Th I know you don't want any excuses, JT, or any reasons. But uh, if people are like with, with, with LeBron James. It's unbelievable. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Michael Jordan couldn't do that when they were the same age as LeBron James. They were they were a shell of themselves. And LeBron James is finding a way to do it. And low ma load management is a way to do it. But if you're under 35 or under 30, go play the goddamn game. And again, I love when a topic gets shut down and it's over and it's done now because of course, if someone makes $330 million like Aaron Judge or more, a Patrick Mahomes-type money, they canceled the NFL Pro Bowl. Now they have a water balloon catch, and they have a long-drive <laughs> golf competition because everybody's afraid that they're going to get hurt. Right. And I understand that because football is more of a violent Football's sport. different. Yeah, I get Baseball's it. We're still trying violent. to get around it. So yep, baseball, right. you, can, you can get hurt running into second base or running into the outfield wall, getting hit by a pitch. Baseball players get hurt anytime they leave their feet. God, yeah. drives you me crazy. playing baseball, but... I think what Otani did, at least for me, and then I was on the radio earlier today, and I really thought I made the connection with the audience, the Little League moms, the club ball, baseball coaches. And the manager of USA said it last night when he said what he did is what all these kids did their whole life in Little League. They pitched, then they played catcher, then they played right. They hit yes. runs. They, Remember they those guys? Baseball. Jimmy they Carnegie, baseball. shout out Jimmy. He would pitch shutouts and hit three home runs. And, and my dad will get this if he's listening or my family. One of the greatest memories of my life as a little leaguer, because my dad was an iconic, and I mean that, iconic little league coach. Everyone knew him. He coached literally everybody in our town at one time or another. I'll never forget the moment when we were in a little league game. I was a catcher. I was caught my whole life. And it was the end of the game. And the picture that we had, and the name escapes me, my dad will remember, got into a jam. And it was a bases loaded jam, and he couldn't find the plate. He just couldn't find the plate. And my dad came to the mound, and the pitcher and myself as the catcher came to the mound, and my father said to me on the mound, take off the gear. And I took off the chest protector and the shin guards, and he gave me the ball. And he said, get us out of this. And I'll never, it's still to this day, goosebumps, I got us out of it. Because I was a pitcher, too, but I was mostly a catcher. He knew that I could throw strikes. There was right. no guarantee I was going to get out of it, but he knew I could get us out of that jam. And think of the thousands of memories I have that I should have of Little League my whole life and other sports. I remember that to the day because my dad had confidence to say, this thing is going south. You can throw strikes. And it wasn't go back to the dugout and take your gear off. I took the gear off on the mound. <laughs> wow and we got out of that jam and on i'm not comparing myself to shohai otani but i'm just making the comparison for everyone else with major leaguers and the other athletes who are afraid to play an exhibition this wasn't an exhibition japan won the world baseball classic they're better than us you could say no they're not judged didn't play screw that that wasn't an exhibition. That was the World Baseball Classic. You know who gave out the MVP and the trophy? The commissioner of baseball, Rob Manford. You know who was there afterwards on the field? Kevin Burkhart, David Ortiz, and A-Rod. You know who was the MVP? Shohei Otani. You know who was the captain? Mike Trout. 
That wasn't an exhibition. For Japan, that country has bragging rights tonight, tomorrow, to say we're the best baseball country in the world, just like Argentina. That might not be the best soccer country in the world, but currently they are because they won the World Cup. They have bragging rights over us, Tom. And they really put it on the map, and it's been more talked about this time around than it's been in its history, maybe, right? And, you know, shout out to Sadahara O, one of the greatest home run hitters of all time who never got to play in the World Baseball Ichiro. Classics, 18. Ichiro. Uh, oh, Ichiro. Wow. How about uh, but... Matsui? I oh was at God. the World yep. Series with my buddy Wizzy when he put it in a home run and we were behind the dugout at Yankee Stadium in the World Series. Godzilla hit one of the most pivotal home runs for the Yankees. I mean, another quick point. The, the guys who play on the Japanese team that beat us, they didn't tie us, they beat us. Some of them don't want to play in MLB. You know why? They have children who go to high school and elementary school. They love the culture. They're making right. money over there. They don't want to play for the Seattle Mariners or the Detroit Tigers. So they didn't have the players or the roster we had in totality, and they beat us. So let's bow down in this podcast to Japan. Let's do the right American thing to do. Give them credit for beating us, and don't make excuses. Oh, Judge didn't play, and oh, right. Cole didn't pitch. Yeah, it Or that nice it was rigged. <laughs> it would have been nice if they did. They decided not to do that. You were the first media member in the entire United States of America, which also includes Puerto Rico and Guam and all the territories, the first sportscaster in any media and any platform, we love to use the word platform, makes us sound young, to interview the new quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders, Jimmy G. We welcome in the quarterback of the Silver and Black, Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy, congratulations. Welcome to the Raider Nation in Vegas. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for thanks for the introduction, man. It's, uh, I'm excited. It's been a fun day. We are really excited. I'm going to start right off with the fans. The fans need this. They want this. They want to get behind you. They are craving to win. Let's start off with a connection to the Raider Nation and what you can do to help this fan base get to know a little bit about you, your family, so they can get behind you. Yeah, just uh, I'm just a normal guy from Chicago. Uh, i got three brothers, mom and dad, all came out with me uh, for the signing and everything out here. It's, it's been fun. Uh, but, yeah, we're just a regular blue-collar family, uh, ready to work hard and, and get this organization back to where it, it should be. You know, just uh, there's a great opportunity here, and I'm not trying to blow it. Yeah, what was it like for your family? Because I saw you when you walked in the building. That went viral. You talked about it. But pulling <laughs> up here and seeing this facility, knowing that it hosted the Pro Bowl and the Pro Bowl Skills Challenge and the great legends who have played here were always in the building, it really seemed like that jumped out at you when you walked in. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm a bit of a history guy. I like the history of the game and just uh, learning things like that. And I've been to two-storied organizations, but this this one really, uh, just the, the way they treat their alumni – Hall of Fame, everything, it's its really, uh, it's top-notch. And as a player, you really appreciate that, I think. And, you know, Mr. Davis, I met him for a little bit yesterday, and he just kept stressing just it's once a Raider, always a Raider. And to be a, one of the players to hear that, it, it's really cool. I want to ask you about the system. It's really important because you were brought in because you're familiar with Josh McDaniels and this system. When you're thriving in this particular system – what works best for you when you get to the line of scrimmage? What do you like about it? I like the control that you have as a quarterback in this offense. There's uh, Obviously, Josh is calling the plays, and we're, we have to be on the same page there. But at the line of scrimmage, 
a quarterback here, you, you really uh, there's some freedom. There's some ability to audible plays to uh, get get your team into the right play or out of a bad play, and that's uh, as a quarterback, that's what you dream of. You, you want that responsibility. You want uh, you want the pressure on your shoulders, and it's just um, yeah, it's exciting to be back in that type of offense. You know, when you were thriving in San Francisco, you threw it to a great fullback, tight end multiple wide receivers and I just remember all the times we were able to look off a double coverage and find a guy who was wide open that was your preparation your footwork your ability to see the field I think that's what the Raiders expect especially this head coach get us into the right play make the right decision you got a lot of stars here let's start off with Devontae and the leading rusher in Josh Jacobs hell yeah <laughs> uh yeah man I've talked to talked to Tay got to text it with him a couple days ago and um I'm just excited to get them going, man. Just they're, these guys, their ability to run after a catch with the ball, it's, uh, it's pretty unique, similar to what I was coming from in San Francisco. But uh, as a quarterback, that's what you dream of. You throw a two-yard pass and they take it 98. That's, that's what you want. <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo joins us. Jimmy, how great is it, again, to have the leading rusher, to know you got a guy who can get you 1,500 to 1,800 yards just by handing it off on third and short and set up play action for you? you got to be thrilled by that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, whenever you could set up the run or run the ball to set up the pass, I mean, that's that's ideal. It makes it tough on a defense. D coordinators don't know how to, you know, what do they do there? Do they blitz? Because now you could hit them over the top of the play action, like you said. It's a, it's a beautiful situation, man. We just, we we got to come together and make, make it work. But, uh, yeah, the pieces are there. We just got to make it happen now. Tell me about your hard work and effort. All your former teammates talk about you in the building at practice, what you do on game day. You take a lot of pride in that. Where did that come from? Uh, I, you know, my dad was an electrician, blue-collar guy. I, I saw him for the majority of my life getting up at 4 or 5 a.m. and going to work, and I think that hard-working mindset, that's where it came from. You know, you see that example set for you as a young kid. You don't know any different. So, uh, I don't know. I really I take pride in that. I think that that's how you become a leader of a team. That's how you become respected by your teammates, and that's uh. I'm going to have to earn that here. You know, it's a totally new chapter of my life, and these guys don't – I mean, a couple of guys know me here, but mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go out there and earn it and uh, earn these guys' respect. One of the greatest quarterbacks of all time was drafted by New England, went to the 49ers, then came to the Raiders, and ended up winning two Super Bowls and a Super Bowl MVP, the great Jim Plunkett. You mentioned Ken Stabler in your press conference. Let's talk about Jim Plunkett, who has a similar path Interesting that he came from both organizations you came from. When you think of the name Jim Plunkett and what he achieved with this organization, what jumps out at you? Uh, everything you just said. I mean, me and my brothers have been talking about that uh, the last couple of days, how similar it is, <laughs> same first name. There's a uh, lot of similarities, and obviously two Super Bowl rings. If I could accomplish half of what Jim Plunkett has, I'll, I'll be in good good spot. But, uh, you know, it, it starts with working hard in OTAs and, getting ready for training camp. Uh, that's how you become one of these remembered players that you see on the walls here. I think it all starts on the practice field, and from there you got to translate to the game field. We're wrapping it up with Jimmy Garoppolo, kind enough to join us. The offensive line, you had some good offensive linemen there. I just want to ask you a general question about players around the league. Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels know the league. If you get an opportunity to help bring in players in the future, talk to other players, and help this organization get to the next level by not only being the face of the franchise, which I know is not your style, you want to be a teammate here, but to get the word out around the league for free agents and other players that could consider Las Vegas in the future. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, did a little bit of in San Francisco. I think as a quarterback, you just 
whatever the job that you have to do is, you you got to do it. And so just uh, making those free agency calls, talking to guys, uh, text here or there, I think goes a long way. And uh, you know, like you said, Josh and Dave have done a great job of bringing in the right people around here. You could tell just from talking to people, uh, Mr. Davis as well, just the the history of you know certain people have been here for 15, 20 years. That uh. That's important to me. I'm a very family-oriented guy, and uh, we're trying to make this a family here. So it'll be one step at a time, but it'll be worth it. Nicely said. Finally, what would you like? I know you just got here. Your family's here. What do you envision doing here in the community to help Mr. Davis and what's going on here in Vegas and probably still in the Bay Area and what you can do back home where you came from? What do you want to do on the ground for the community? What can we help you with? Uh, I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't gotten that far, to be completely honest. Uh, I think I'll hit the ground running. Uh, maybe you know, get out in the community. I gotta get a feel for Las yeah. Vegas. I really, I was trying to describe this to people. I don't know the city yet. I know, you know, I know the strip. Obviously, know where the facility is. But I'm looking forward to just you know, merging myself in the city, le- learning the people, seeing what everyone's all about, and uh, then I could kind of go from there. So I'll probably have a better answer for you next time. Nicely <laughs> said. Last one. What is your message to the Raider Nation? Get ready, man. Raider Nation, we're. Uh, we're not messing around, honestly. We're, we we got the pieces, we got the people in place. We just gotta we gotta all come together and be pulling in the same direction now. And once we get there, go get some W's on the field and uh, rest to take care of itself. Welcome, Jimmy. Thanks for doing this. Have a great day. Really appreciate you. Definitely. Nice meeting you, JC. You got it. Yeah, and I apologize for the background noise of all the women swooning in Summerlin, Nevada. That was the best-looking quarterback. I thought Tom Brady was a good-looking man. Uh, Jimmy G, when he walks into the room wearing black on black, yeah, he's the new quarterback of the Raiders. He's a winner. He's a winner. His winning percentage is high. He also played for good teams, one of your favorite topics, right? Don't go to the Cleveland Browns. Don't go right. to the Jaguars. <laughs> right. Jimmy G went to Woo. New England, won two Super Bowls. As a backup, good player, and then went to the 49ers and had a really good defense. But, yeah, he's the new quarterback of the Silver and Black. I had the first interview with him. He was very humble. And, again, I interviewed Derek Carr for nine years. Uh, Great things to say about him. It was a little bit different than Jimmy G because he mentioned Ken Stabler. I brought up Jim Plunkett, who won two Super Bowls and a Super Bowl MVP. Plunkett was drafted by New England, was the rookie of the year, went to the 49ers, got his body beat up. Al Davis brought him in. Great story to be the third string quarterback and told Jim Plunkett, Jim, don't want you to play. want you to rest until we need you. And then Plunkett went on to iconic status, brought that up with Jimmy G. But he's just here now because Derek Carr is gone to New Orleans. The, uh, Tom Brady retired. Aaron Rodgers was never feasible at $60 million a year. I think the Raiders got a, a really good quarterback, very good High completion percentage. You love the quarterback rating. Oh, my God. Let me throw it back to you. You love the quarterback rating. He always has a high quarterback rating. Not only does he always have a high quarterback rating, he was the only quarterback in the San Francisco 49ers that could win a goddamn game. I don't know what's going on in the head of the San Francisco 49ers. He was the quarterback they needed. They didn't need anybody else other than him. And I don't know what was going on there. Well, but on uh, Kyle Purdy. Uh, Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft, won a bunch of games. I love that story. I love that story, and I hope he keeps winning. I love that chicken soup for the soul story. You know I love those stories. But Jimmy and and Purdy was amazing, but Jimmy G was the quarterback that really moved the needle there. And for some reason, they didn't like him, and I'm glad the Raiders got him. 
Well, they have a whole bunch of promotions in this town just for the podcast. And I'm saying this in jest. The strip clubs, everyone's saying Jimmy G will give you a lifetime membership if you come. He's single. He has right. two brothers at the press conference. Everybody's welcoming him in. And again, now I've gone through an interesting week or so with Jimmy G coming in. And this goes for every football fan in any city. When other players leave, Darren Waller's gone to the Giants in a trade. And, you know, other teams lost good players. Everybody freaks out. It's a business, everybody. It's a bleeping business. And at times, players leave. Players go to other markets. They fail in other markets. They shine in other markets. And, you know, a lot of fans out here with the Raiders are freaking out that other players left. New players are coming in. And this Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be fantastic because he's humble. He works hard. You never hear anything about him other than great things from his teammates. And he gets now Las Vegas, the entertainment capital of the world, where we have the Sweet 16. We have Taylor Swift this weekend. And everybody's buzzing about Jimmy G. So I hope it works out for him because he seems like a great guy. And I love the connection with New England, the, the Jim Plunkett analogy, New England, San Francisco to the Raiders. And you got a winner. And I'm hoping that uh, it turns into some. I'm hoping now you had a winner with Derek Carr. You just got to play defense. I hope the defense gets better. We have breaking news. Malaysia Airlines confirms it has lost contact with a plane carrying 227 passengers. It seems to have vanished into the mess. I despise conspiracy theories because I feel for the families who get roped into conspiracy theories. The best <sighs> example for me is 9-11. I lost a fraternity brother, James Joseph Kelly, at the top. Another fraternity brother, Danny Cruzy, just got out before both towers collapsed. And when people come up with conspiracy theories, they bother me because I know people that were involved in the, that one particular story. Mm. And then when I watched what happened to the Malaysia flight, and we're going to talk about that documentary, I felt so bad for the families who couldn't get any closure on that but i thought the documentary on netflix was very interesting and a lot of holes that you and i wanted to talk about mh370 the plane that disappeared it's one of a lot of great uh, documentaries right now on netflix or as we would say in upstate new york documentaries and it's fascinating that uh, after all this time a commercial airliner could disappear out of the sky and we still got more questions than answers and that's when you get conspiracy theories is because they've got even real life theories and credible people that have lots of different theories about how the hell a plane can disappear out of the sky well look what happened was they either blame the pilot on a suicide mission right they blame the russian government for hijacking the plane and taking it to kazakhstan but the big thing for me is the plane went down there's no debris anywhere. Well, there's also someone who's blaming the United States because it may have had Chinese spy equipment on it, and maybe we shot it down. Yes. That's one, another way, theory. There would have been a vast field of debris. But then I had to take away that the South China Sea, and especially the Indian Ocean, you got Grand Canyons under the water, the size of Grand Canyon underneath the water. And when they showed you the size of the Indian Ocean, you said, oh, my God. Like, how do you find anything that goes down there? We're not talking about between mainland United States and Hawaii, which is vast and enormous, right. too. We're talking about the Indian Ocean. So my takeaway was the plane went down somewhere. Plane ran out of fuel. 
It didn't get shot down. It ran out of fuel because if it got shot down, there would have been a debris field all over that ocean. You could have seen it from above. You could have saw it with a coast. Well, there was the woman. There was the woman, the sleuth, that said she found the debris in the ocean, and she had the pictures of debris in the ocean. Yeah, I just had a problem with that because she's a little grandmother. We talked about AOL. She's on her computer at home, and she found the debris. But you right. know, not the world governments that were supposedly looking at the same time. But not to make jest of that because all the people that lost their lives and all the families right. that were affected. But my takeaway in that was the plane went down. It ran out of gas either on purpose or something happened where the, the whole plane lost all its oxygen and everybody passed out from the passengers to the pilots and all that. But either way, the fact that they couldn't find it at all, and they still haven't found the fuselage and what happened there, I can understand why, because either body of water where it landed, I think it would have broke up on impact on top of the fact that it would have went to the bottom and it would have been really hard to find. And there were alleged, you know, pieces found in Madagascar and other places by kook, by kooky people. Yeah. So how about the that, coop guy who might be the smartest guy in the room? He goes, he tried to figure out the path of where the debris was and went to those beaches. And the second he got on the beaches, there was a camera crew and he found something. Like, yes. Like 20 minutes <laughs> after he got to the beach, oh he'd be walking God. on the beach and go, look, I found an old window. It must be from that flight. And this is that's part of what may, but, but you couldn't quite get the proof exact. It was close. Although again, uh, how many other missing airliners or pieces of airliners would there be? Uh, would there be coming up on a beach other than the one that was missing? It's just like whenever there's a child missing and then they find a child that's dead, they know it's that child because there's not a lot of children missing. Same thing when planes go missing. There's almost no such thing as a missing plane. And so with, with all that, that we're giving you here, uh, MH370, the plane that disappeared, incredible uh incredible documentary with which leaves you with more questions than answers i totally believe there was a cover-up by the malaysian government 100 percent. that was one thing i have to take away because they just kept going to the microphone and they just kept wanting to talk and try to get something out there for the families and they were clueless they had no idea but if you if you don't have a strong stomach for certain things it's really tough to watch that documentary and oh to god see i know the families who were sitting there in those hotel waiting rooms waiting for information and the fact that it was just ridiculous what was happening and no one getting them the message and what the families had to go through. Well, what about, though, the, the, the Frenchman who yeah. lost his entire who's lost members of his family, not his entire family, but members of his family, his wife, a couple of children yeah. and had another child in college. So it's just him and that child in college just left that, that was met by a spy. He has no he has no axe to grind met by a spy in the basement of his his apartment building who told him that the United States government knows everything here. And so there were credible sources, including lots of different credible people here with different theories, which is what makes it uh, an outstanding think piece documentary. that I don't know if we'll ever get the answers. Well, that's why a we edited it in this podcast, because oh. conspiracy theories and documentaries always get oh. numbers up, always oh. get clicks up, and more and more people talk about that on podcasts than anything else. A few more that you that must watch documentaries on uh, on Netflix would be Earth Storm. It's a four-part series. You have a volcano, a tornado, a hurricane, an earthquake with lots of, uh, you know, it, because of modern times, lots of people's personal cell phone footage it's incredible uh and then there's also with a similar vibe volcano the rescue from wakari did you see that i did not 
Ah, you got to see it. So it's a uh, 47 people, tourists and guides uh, witness a volcano eruption off the coast of New, New Zealand. And uh, and 22 of them died. And but you have a lot of their cell phone footage. And one of them is a newlywed couple. And every other day they would do something that the other person was in, interested in. And one of the days they were headed out to the volcano. And so this beautiful young couple now looks burned. And some of their limbs don't work. And it's fascinating. The before and after pictures of some of these people who were burned. You know, hurricane. I mean, volcanoes can damage you in a lot of different ways if they don't kill you. And it's a lot of they use, you know, they stream together, they string together a lot of people's cell phone coverage of this harrowing uh, thing that happened to these tourists with, while they were trying to visit a volcano. And it's, it's fascinating. Finally, and thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers for everyone in Los Angeles and Southern Thank California you. for the rain and the winter that will never end. Uh, some of our bosses that believe who I hope are watching and listening, I pray for you all because you've never been used to this. Every day I look on the news, it's raining in Southern California. It's gray. I escaped upstate New York in college and said I'd never go back to that weather how are you surviving a man who likes to get a tan in the months of January, February, and March? How are you getting through this? One thing that has been oddly nice about when this is happening is a lot of the most torrential downpours of wind are happening when you're sleeping. So, and that's, you know, you, you don't want any mudslides coming back through your house while you're sleeping, but so that's not always good. But there's been these little moments of sunshine about one o'clock each day. And I can get out and I got a husky that wants to run to Alaska. And when I have there's a quid pro quo with my husky. If I walk him every day or take him to the doggy park every day, he won't run to Alaska. <laughs> I was asleep for six. Oh my God. So uh so I uh, get out of the house with him for a hike about each day at one because there has been the small window of no rain each day, but it's been incredible. And had some mudslides in the backyard. Fortunately, it was over on the patio side and on the house side. And some incredible video from that where the house behind me, this is like uh, two atmospheric rivers ago. They started to build a staircase up above me. I live in a canyon. And no fault of theirs. Then comes and they weren't done with it. And then comes the rain. Well, that staircase turned into a creek. And went straight into uh, to our backyard. Some dramatic video. And what's cool about the construction workers that are working on the house up there is they came down and cleaned up our backyard. Very neighborly. Well, and yeah. That, yeah. yeah. So that, yeah. And that was, so that was, that was scary. That was harrowing. But a lot of people have had to go through a lot more than a muddy patio than I've gone through in people's houses, hanging off cliffs, people's dream homes. Uh, and people who live in incredible canyons where their houses are creaking and they got to get out and your whole life is in your home and you don't think about it. And then all of a sudden your home's creaking. Could you imagine? And sinkholes. That's pretty scary. You're driving down the street and all of a sudden you're in a sinkhole. Well, again, thoughts and prayers to the bottle service girls at the Vegas pools who swim up to you or come to your cabana with a $900 bottle of tequila that cost the casino $14. And those lovely ladies, and I know a few of them, I'm dead serious on this. They make six figures, six figures just during pool season, work in the pools and same with us in Vegas. We have cold weather, windy weather, and 
the fraternal order of the men of khaki pants. The men are allowed to tell their partners and wives once I'm allowed to go because the wives don't let them go anywhere, anywhere. Right. They let them go to March Madness and they want to go to the pool, the strip club, the steakhouse, the sports book and all of that. And a lot of our pools have been closed because it's too cold. So we need that to kind of warm up here in Vegas to get the economy, the pool economy going. I, I used to look, I'm glad I get to mention the Finger Lakes twice. I used to love to go swimming in the rain in the Finger Lakes. It was so cool. Is, are your pools heated in Vegas? Can you go swimming in the rain? Yeah, you can swim out there, but it's tough to go out to a pool when it's cold, when it's 48 right. degrees yeah, or okay. 51 <laughs> degrees. And do me a favor, everyone, share this podcast. Uh, help us bring in the revenue and the clicks because my wife's going to see Taylor Swift this weekend. And oh, great. 4,218 podcasts to pay for that ticket. So <laughs> I would like everybody to share all the Swifties right. out there and everybody have a good time. And thanks for listening to the JT and Looney podcast. Nice. Okay. And thank you for listening to all 44 minutes and 44 seconds of the JT and Looney podcast. You get the Michael Ryan Award for doing that. We're powered by Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.